I think just she's the she's the just a great example of how America creates the problem, manufactures the solution, and sells it to you. She just looking at her will give you a migraine. Uh, so we're back. We're just watching the Kaisa hideaway video. <laughs> you called her Kaisa? <laughs> Isn't that how you say it? Keisha. Keisha. <laughs> that, Keisha Shante. What um. kind of mispronounced her stuff for a pole? <laughs> She's not Polish. I don't think that's a Polish Yeah, name. but the pole, the, the name is Polish. I mean, it looks Polish. Kesha, uh, but it's not a Polish name. Seriously. Um, on this podcast, we code switch yeah. to so, pronounce names accurately. So uh, I'm Przemysław Piszczek. I'm Amir Gubelstein. And you're listening to Thoughts on Art. Welcome. And for a change, we're both in the same room. That's right. I uh, got us a little, a little special uh, treat, a little baked good from Berlin. <laughs> Thanks. So happy to be here. So happy I found my 380 euro flight. That was a steal. Mm-hmm. Did you get some points for it? Uh Maybe 800 points or something. <laughs> okay, that's a light ticket. I don't get a checked suitcase, you know. Uh-huh. But the flight was empty, so you could... Yeah, it was very empty. Okay. I had three seats. I got to curl into a ball. Mm-hmm. It was a Dreamliner, so it had those uh, electronic windows. Oh, those tinted ones? Yes, yeah, uh, so that was my first time using them ever. Yeah. Because I've been on a Dreamliner before, but I'm always just sitting in the middle, so... Yeah. Uh, did it have, like, party mood lighting? yes it uh pink to blue to purple it had bisexual lighting when we took off it was like pink and orange (laughs) non-binary lighting (laughs) for better sleep um i i truly appreciate you uh just being so spontaneous thank you thank you for inviting me my pleasure it's such a nice surprise and i'm glad it all worked out because basically i came a week later which is right yeah, that is the definition of spontaneity. Yeah. I would have come sooner, like two days later, but just the flights were really expensive. Yeah, um, and there, we also had a blizzard. So yeah, and uh, I'm just glad it worked out. Like I had multiple flight cancellations on the way here. True, because uh, of high winds on the uh, yeah. in the old world. Yeah. Um, well, thankfully you weren't on that British Airways oh flight that like could not land. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you have to do a COVID test to come to America. I'm glad I wasn't, like, randomly infected yeah. without any symptoms. I mean, knock on wood, I think we're we're going to... They're going to donate our bodies size after we die for never having gotten oh COVID. God. The body famous exhibit. Famous last word. Oh <laughs> body exhibit. Uh, have you ever been to that museum in uh, Philadelphia? Now I'm going to have to look that up because that's just a random reference. It's like the Curiosities of the Body Museum. Oh, no. Um, so how are you liking New York so far? Loving it. The Muto Museum. Sorry, just came came to me. The Muto Museum at the College of Physicians of Philadelphia um contains a collection of anatomical and pathological specimens wax models and antique medical equipment and our bodies when we die in the year 20 oh my god this is getting morbid stop 73 <laughs> anyway yeah, i'm pretty generous oh with our lifespan um 
<laughs> in brighter news, we had amazing Mexican food, uh, mezcal margaritas. True, yeah. Two rounds. Yeah. Had a wonderful family dinner last night. Mm-hmm. Had some uh, pork and asparagus. And yeah. Which uh, stank up my urine. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna hit some New York staples such as uh, the Red Hook IKEA for lunch. Yes. We have to visit the Lowe's behind my house. Uh, what else is on our docket? We're basically right. doing trading spaces, extreme home makeover um, yeah. for your storage solutions. So. Right. Yeah, this is like an episode of Wife Swap. <laughs> <laughs> I sent Jordan to the shtetl to uh, <laughs> the uh, Californian shtetl. <laughs> um, Honestly, it seems actually kind of colder in Los Angeles right now than it is in New York in terms of God. the body's ability to uh, stay warm. Well, we miss you, Jordan. Wish you were here. Miss you. Um, what else? I guess we're going to try and see company on Monday, maybe. Yeah. There's any other fags out there who would like to uh accompany us (laughs) yeah we're gay so we have to see patty lapone because uh i mean let me just preface by saying that the single musical i've seen in the past 20 years was avenue q and that was only because my aunt was visiting me and And you saw the israeli production no it was here in new york here you saw it okay because i saw it in new york too and i loved it she like insisted on seeing it the day she got in and i warned her in advance she's gonna be jet lagged and gonna pass out and very quickly like 20 minutes into the show she was like snoozing up uh that was a cute show yeah i liked it i saw avenue q hairspray um rent don't don't utter the r word (laughs) the r slur (laughs) um i saw it like a month before it closed like with the last cast so it's kind of a monumental moment good for you a story to tell your grandchildren not mine though please well one day we'll go see the revival (laughs) will we jesus (laughs) who's gonna be in the revival clearly lin-manuel miranda is gonna wedge himself into that oh my god probably he'll be mark cohen (laughs) who's he uh he's the ginger with the ugly scarf from the game. oh yeah um god um yeah what else is on our uh agenda uh, maybe we could go to the mat or something or oh yeah not oh. the whitney not the whitney i'm saving that for the uh biennial which we'll address <laughs> shortly um i do want to check out the disney show again at the met Oh, yeah. I want to see the fashion uh, thing oh, right, yeah. the, at the Anna Wintour Costume Institute at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I wonder if they added, like, uh, Andrew uh, uh, and uh, what's his name? Leontali. Andrew Leontali. Andrew, yeah. Like a tribute or something to the exhibition. So. Rip. Maybe maybe he could be the next theme of the show. Yeah, true. That will be good. I mean, I don't know much about him except for his appearances on project run sorry america's uh, next up model. america's next up model the high fashion cycle <laughs> it's just incredible like do you think those people would have would have guest starred on that show in 2022 because like looking back at it it was such a such an embarrassment totally but that that's like um it was so far into america's next top model but they that's when they actually made it kind of legit because you didn't right yeah you didn't get some like i don't know teen girl or not even teen girl like cosmo girl cover or whatever it was yeah. before it was like you get a spread in vogue italia and yeah andre leontali's on yeah and, like it 
did have a kind of more legitimate air to it. Did any of the winners have like a lasting success to speak for? I feel like in like the short span after the short term after their show, some of them like stuck around, but uh Winnie Harlow, she was on a much later cycle. Uh, she has like that vitiligo kind of pigmentation yeah. issue. Uh, so she's huge and she was on ANTM. Really? Yeah. I distinctly remember like season three or four, this one can this one contender who went on to like participate in the like all star version, I think, who just basically looked like a meth addict. I'm just gonna have to look up all the winners. Um I loved Anne that that was like the high fashion cycle where they went to Italy and Anne was like six foot nine and Joanna <laughs> House season two. Oh, yeah. She she had Edge Eve Marcille, like season oh, three. Yeah. Eva Pigford. Yes. Yeah, yeah she's she was iconic. Great. Naima was also great. I feel like oh, the Naima first, was amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then like it took them fucking ten seasons to um to have a plus size model. And then yeah, the Whitney. She was so annoying. Yeah. I guess I stopped watching at season twelve or so because like Tiana is the last winner I remember. Yeah. Uh, I stopped at like f- cycle fifteen. I think. Ooh, and the hot deaf model, the one, uh, the oh, male the model one, season yeah, twenty two. Yeah. yeah, he's was like a again? like Niles or something. <laughs> Niall Demarco. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's really. It. He just he looks like your run of the mill like Bayonne, New Jersey hottie. Hot like uh. Like a deli counter, like a tic- a TikTok sandwich sensation, perhaps. We should go uh, work the New Jersey Turnpike if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Exit thirteen A, I ninety five. Here we come. Um. Oh, I guess he just recently published a book titled "Deaf Utopia." I mean, he's very handsome. Yeah, he's very. It's handsome. the type of face you only see in America, and I mean it in the most positive yeah. way. Speaking of deaf representation on television, um, we should watch Celebrity Apprentice with Marley Mallon. <laughs> Is she the... Uh... She's that blonde. She, she was on Seinfeld on an episode. Yeah, yeah. and The West Wing, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to upset our West Wing uh, fans. I know um, in light of everything that's happened recently, what with Jeff Zucker be- being fired, <laughs> I'm not no, allowed to... Or Sorry, he resigned. No, he resigned, yeah. <laughs> uh, I know I can't bring up celebrity apprentice because that's his doing but <laughs> uh i'm curious to uh hear what katie kirk has to uh spill on the well matter. just check her memoir <laughs> you, you're saying it's uh should read between the lines in her memoir <laughs> good uh and in other media news whoopi goldberg has been suspended from the view for two weeks <laughs> Um, she's been banned from using the last name Goldberg <laughs> until further notice. Uh, well, now's your cue to ask me if I've been offended by uh... Amir as a Jew in America <laughs> and an Asian person. Are you offended? Um, I'm going to have to refer this question to this, the daily Judel game a new addition to the wardle franchise which i just played for the first time this morning it's it differs by being six letter uh six letter game rather than the uh i guess the other ones are fifth letters right five letters yeah okay so judle is like jewish themes jewish themed word guessing i guess 
Schmutz. I mean, should I just should I give out the daily answer because this <laughs> sure. episode will only come out tomorrow? So my first guess was Pesach, Passover, uh, and like I, shockingly, this was a close call. Uh, and then I gave it another two tries, and the word was Tanakh. <laughs> if any of our listeners can chime in and tell me what Tanakh is, you'll get a you uh, win nothing. You get a um, you get a little. What do they get for me? Um, some uh, schmuck. <laughs> some schmuck. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to think it over. I mean that in the standard German sense. Um, winning some jewelry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some schmuck um yeah i guess um should we talk about some art i mean we haven't seen shows together yet because we just got here a couple of days ago but uh the scene has been uh a brewing a brew with uh with some controversy and some breaking news finally we have controversy yeah i mean really the only reason we haven't been recording is because as much as we love art there hasn't been much going on in the art world yeah, I guess except for the, like the the faux drama of the of Art Basel taking over, yeah, uh, the, the Grand Palais. I guess if there's anyone feeling victimized out there because of this uh, boss move, you're welcome yeah. to uh, slide into our DMs and tell yeah, us this, uh, apparent art world genocide or whatever it is. <laughs> it's just incredible the level of hyper- hyperbole that's uh, that's used these days to discuss these things that are like essentially free market <laughs> yeah exactly um, like i don't care <laughs> like, yeah i i have not been um participating in either <laughs> mm. <laughs> and also like at the end of the day it just sounds to me like fiac kind of like um put in a little bit <laughs> yeah basically i mean it's like everybody getting upset somewhat rightfully so because of the uh, times purchasing wardle (laughs) and introducing it into their uh into their game roster but like i'm sure the wall street journal put put a bit in and yeah exactly i don't know i i totally get the thing with fiac yeah for those of you who don't know that's a a very famous art fair in paris it's now being kind of over their slot is being overtaken by a a larger player in the field are Basel. Yeah. I mean, it's not like any of these players are like grassroots yeah, exactly. sort of uh, social justice promoters that we should yeah. root for. <laughs> yeah. Promoting the magic of art. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if either way, this is a bloated capitalist endeavor and we shouldn't be on anyone's exactly. team. Um Okay, what uh, what should we discuss that's on our docket today? Should we uh, well, the Whitney Biennial list was announced. Uh huh. Do you want to read the announcement? Do you have it pulled up? Let me see. I have nothing pulled up. Um. <laughs> okay, here, let me read it. Um, so the Whitney Biennial was introduced in 1932 by the museum's founder Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney. Uh, should we do a separate episode on her wrongdoings and? Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, dirty slaves dealing. picking cotton yeah for her uh um, i mean wasn't the, the inventor of cotton gin was yeah, uh, eli like, whitney whatever yeah. um established to chart the developments in an art in the united states it is the longest running exhibition of its kind to date more than 3600 influential and innovative artists have participated in a whitney biennial or annual a constellation of the most relevant art and ideas of our time our 2022 exhibition will be the biennial's eight 
80th edition. Jesus. Uh, Whitney Biennial 2022, Quiet as It's Kept is the title, is co-organized by David Breslin, Demartini, Family Curator, blah, blah, blah. Um, Why am I not finding any, like, mission statement? There is none. Uh, No, they were (laughs) quoted in the Artnet News piece about it. Uh, Art News, sorry. Or Quran. Um... God, why am I so uh, ill-prepared for this? Can you say something while I look it up? <laughs> uh, well, should we do a slight diversion? Because uh, our mail sack is engorged. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Um, God. Okay, so the curator stated that they would like to reflect these precarious and improvised times by including a an array of artists whose work does these this uh this exactly the curious curator stated in a statement um what should we make of the list and what directions will the biennial take to find out more artnet news crunch the numbers (laughs) uh 63 the number of artists participating in this year's edition that's a bit less than the 75 who showed at the 2019 whitney biennial but it's exactly the same as the amount that appeared in the previous one in 2017. Do you remember all the brouhaha about like the 2019 edition, I guess, being like, what was the main brouhaha? Because I remember one of the like points of contention was the fact that the curators were like tra- traveling, trotting the globe. Oh, yeah. But everyone was just like American. <laughs> uh, either American or Berliners or just yeah. like go to like lazy... And yes, we know it's the like Museum of American Art, but that obviously like it's not a hard fast rule that you have to be an American to be in the right. And, and that's a fact that's not going to change in the 2022 edition because yeah. I mean they're they've been broadening their definition of the Americas. Yeah. But last biennial, yeah, it's like oh yeah, we trotted the globe, and then it's like everyone's from New York or LA, and maybe right. two artists are from Miami, and that's it. Yeah, like, uprooted, currently working in Berlin yeah. or whatever. Uh, 37 is the percentage of artists who are 40 years old or younger at this year's Whitney Biennial. This is an important number and a strikingly low one, given that the Whitney Biennial tends to trend towards emerging artists. Um, The Whitney Biennial places a greater emphasis on mid and late career artists. Perhaps in a nod to this, the curators said in a statement that the 2022 Biennial will be deliberately intergenerational. I feel like every single biannual has yeah. that like cross section. Yeah, exactly. Um, 25 is a percentage of artists born outside the U S that are included in this edition. The curators have stated that part of their goal is to show artworks that can complicate what American means by addressing the country's physical and psychological boundaries. I mean, that sort of makes sense in theory, but like it's, it's like, but also so- we know that like uh, a lot of people, I don't know. We're not born in the U.S. And yeah, just like stop trying to like, uh, I don't know, like rationalize, yeah, sort of decision makings that you just want to do away with, I guess, or whatever. I don't know. Just fucking expand the roster without apologizing for it, or like trying to contort it into some like theoretical reasoning. Yeah. Um, five fifty nine is a percentage of artists based in either Los Angeles or New York, the two biggest art centers in the U.S. Uh, New York remains the most well-represented city at the Biennial, with 25 artists included who are based there. 
Um, 16 is the number of artists who've appeared in a Whitney Biennial previously, including your favorite Wu Tsang, who participated solo in 2012. Sorry. But is this year's included... Uh, is this year included as part of her collective Moved by the Motion? Um, some other... Artists have also previously participated. I think there should be a moratorium on artists who have been in the biennial before. How? Why? How would why, you? Why not? Like, why not just if we have these other kind of arbitrary frameworks for, uh, you know, what the artist list is? Why not have a, a biennial where it's like, if you've been in a Whitney biennial before, Nicole Eisenman. Uh, you cannot be in another one just for this edition. Sure, but just to play devil's advocate, what's why is that a problem? I don't Re- know. Re- reoccurring participation. I mean, I, for example, sure, there's several artists I would not like to see their work once again, but like Nicole Eisen- Eisenman's participation, I thought was terrific yeah. in the last biennial. I know, but does she need to be in like five winning biennials? Yeah, but I think we might be approaching this in a way where like. Uh, the base assumption is that there's uh, equity and fairness sort of underlying <laughs> this entire kind of operation, which is yeah. Anyway, this just says that it's not about uh, yeah purely. I guess one of the returning artists is Jason Rhodes, uh, who's no longer alive. Yeah. But which like, I don't get why that's in the Spaniel. It's just so odd to me that it's almost like a blast from the past that yeah. I would. I'm actually less offended by his inclusion and more curious to see how they're going to like fit his work that feels so dated, I yeah. guess. Um, I mean, to be honest, the, the, have you seen any of the previous editions in person? No. Were you in town for them? It's such a, it's such a, like a shit show of a mixed bag of like, yeah. it's a catch all. Uh, it's, it just usually, comes out so like confused and uh it just feels incoherent um like clearly between the whitney not being one of my favorite museums in the city i feel like the biennial is truly riding on the coattails of its previous sort of glory yeah i don't know if there's much substance in it anymore um let's go over the list of participants and roast them (laughs) Um, okay. Um, interesting inclusion. Harold Oncart, born in 1980 in Brussels, Belgium, lives in New York, New York. Um, Shows with a mega blue chip gallery, David's Werner. I mean, I'll preface and say Harold Oncart is one of my favorite living painters. What? Yes. I'm not anti, but um, for you to say favorite, absolutely favorite. I just love his. What? I love his surfaces. There, uh. there's like they're tactile. Mm-hmm. I just want to touch them. I feel like <laughs> I'm, my explanation would be as dumb as like any painting that I have the urge to touch is a painting and or a painter that I like and appreciate. Um, so he's included. What are some other like big blue chip artists that are included? Adam Pendleton, who shows with. Kagosian or Hauser and Worth? I think Hauser and Worth, but I can't remember, to be honest. And this, again, is like riding the coattails of, I guess, a lobby exhibition of his at MoMA that I don't know if it's going to still be up when the biennial opens, but maybe it should take you a moment to see his like queer 
heavy installation at the MoMA atrium, which really has nothing to do with his work. Yeah. Uh, no, we should go see it. Also, I haven't been to MoMA since the edition happened. Right. Really? Yeah, because I think it opened during the pandemic or something, or just before? Right before, I guess. Yeah, and then when I was here last summer, we just didn't go to MoMA. So. Yeah. Uh, what are some other big names? Uh, I guess Alex DeCorte. I mean, I love his work, but... Uh, it's... What do we have to say about that? I feel like a lot of people are included because they have market clout. I think that's all I need to say. <laughs> right. I mean, we were talking about that earlier. I would just be very interested in being made privy to like the behind the scenes machinations on yeah. how these like specifically blue chip artists are inserted into the uh, the roster. Yeah. Because some of them, like as much as I love the work, it's just so fucking random. Yeah. Um. I also feel like. You know, there are these efforts made where it's like, oh, you know, we should have other voices that are unrepresented. But then it's like they go with the most obvious options. So, for example, it's like, oh, like um, we've been ignoring First Nations artists. So then the two First Nations artists that they select are like two of the biggest, most institutionally viable ones in Canada. Mm -hmm. Like, I love Rebecca Belmore's work. Um but if it's like, oh, this is the intergenerational biennial and like let's have new voices, it's like, why not work with a First Nations artist from Winnipeg who's right. in their 20s or something? It just feels so lazy in that way. Yeah. You know? I also find interesting that in the Whitney's official announcement of the artist list, there's no mentioning of like the galleries representing the artists, whereas yeah. it's very clear that there's like. Yeah, it's very clear these people have like a lot of commercial. Um, I mean, it's nothing push happening. It's nothing new. I mean, if you look back at like the the artist list of the biennial in like the '60s and the '70s, it was basically like musical chairs yeah. of like everybody and their friends, like just rotating there. <laughs> funded by the CIA. Funded by the <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like Rauschenberg convincing them to like show this and that and the Judds and the like whatever um i guess what i'm going at getting at is that as much as i appreciate the sort of the attempt to like bring more merit and equity and balance into the like the roster i mean we shouldn't really forget this is like a this was like born out of nepotism basically this whole yeah. endeavor um well i wonder what the controversy this year will be where um you know weeks after the show's open suddenly there's an open letter <laughs> well scanning the list who would be a potential con controversy maker because everyone's pretty i don't know but timid. maybe just some connection to like funders or right board members like you know i feel like something's gonna come out of the woodwork as Be uh, brad tremel had made right posted about um i'm just happy they like at least formally i don't know how this will shake out but at least formally they got off their high horse about like uh preemptively warning us that this edition will be like extra controversial and <laughs> political because that was just that was just an awful sort of setup to an edition that didn't even like feel very yeah. controversial i'm referring to the i guess was it the last one with the 
the Warren Canders yeah. controversy was the 2019 or the 2017. I mean, like a COVID time. Contortion. They didn't like skip one because of COVID or anything, right? Like there was no, they didn't because the the last one just opened before COVID hit. Okay. Uh, and also, what what is up with like first of all, like shout out to JTT like successfully including what three artists of theirs into the artist list but like really bravo to the i'm just i need to see like an hbo biopic mm, no. that breaks down the machinations of how these like galleries get their artists yeah, into the artist so like, congratulations to our five artists that have yeah. made it in um well today i was just checking my like promotions folder in gmail Mm-hmm. And it's like one email after another from galleries whose mailing list I never asked to be added to, um, <laughs> congratulating their artists. And it's like that's probably like uh, contact tracing abuse. <laughs> yeah, and it's just um, it is what it is. I mean, let's not pretend there's no major commercial component to this all of it listen don't get us wrong we're both extremely frustrated and bitter for not (laughs) even being considered or seen i mean this is in a sense the result of leveling the playing field uh these two like diasporic one jew one pola (laughs) just feel completely transparent and invisible so i mean kudos to you yeah, well, I'm just looking at the board of trustees as of September 22nd, 2021. Mm-hmm. There are definitely people on this list that I could see an open letter uh, emerging. Right. Leonard Louder, uh, Pamela G. DeVos. Jesus. <laughs> I'm assuming she's related to Betsy DeVos. <laughs> God. Um, I will look into that further, so don't quote me on that. Um, God. I think uh, I would like to curate the next edition of the Whitney Biennial and call it May We Live in Less Reductive Times. <laughs> uh, to paraphrase the title of the... What edition was that? There was some biennial that was called called May We Live in Boring Times or something like that. Am I making this up? May we Live in Interesting Time? I don't know. Was that the disbiennial title? Maybe. Or maybe that was a triennial may we live in boring times sorry i'll have to look it up this this sounds like something oh yeah uh venice biennial 2019 oh thanks for all the useless information i retain in my head venice biennial 2019 takes the title may you live in interesting times well that turned out uh interesting um oh i guess it was a new york times piece uh, announcing the whitney biennial that i totally skipped um, these last few years have been a very dense moment, said David Breslin, the co-organizer of this edition with Adrian Edwards. Adrian, Adrian, sorry. God, what is wrong with my, like, non-native <laughs> brain farts? Um, both are senior curators at the museum. Our hope is that this show uh, permits a taking stock, a way of seeing what we're maybe not at the end of, but in the middle of, and how art can help make sense of our times. Um... I think we can like slowly start to do away with this like trope of trying to sort of believe that art has the capacity. To yeah, I don't believe in that. Um, reflect on the times, especially. Yeah, I mean retroactively for sure, but it's just something that I find really annoying about the past. I guess this 
point we're at is that there's constantly a need to kind of bottle a moment, yeah. break it down, understand it. Uh, I, if anyone who's listening knows how much people are being paid in artist fees, please let me know. <laughs> no, I mean, I know from friends who've shown in previous editions, it's, yeah. it's clearly it's like you don't nothing, do it for the yeah. money. No, no, for sure. But I just, yeah. there, you know, in past years, there have been these issues like one artist ended up living in their installation yeah, because, of course. you know, it was a quasi protest of the fact that they're not being paid and they can't like afford to pay the bills mm-hmm. uh and just being in the whitney biannual doesn't guarantee like some career explosion and here's another quote by the all curators in a phone interview with both curators edwards said that without a doubt the show is taking a position it seeks to complicate the ways in which social identity and personal experience are exhibited and valued in the art world today there's been a lot of demands around a certain legibility edwards said we wanted to turn around and say, well, there are artists who are doing these things differently through abstraction and conceptual art. I I guess I applaud that, sort of slowly making small sort of steps out of this the first part of the statement, which I find is getting really tired and tiresome in art theory, mm-hmm. um, trying to really go lean in really heavily into social identity and personal experience. Um. I mean, this moment in art has just been terrifyingly boring for like a few good years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so once again, this like curatorial approach seems, for the lack of better words, lazy, undaring. Yeah. We just need, maybe we need to like have Ricky Gervais <laughs> curate the next edition of the biennial. Just like a flamethrower, like the... New York City Sanitation Department posted on Twitter today that it's looking for <laughs> snow melters, um, uh, flamethrowers for how many? Uh, thirty dollars an hour. Seventeen, S- which is low. Oh, seventeen. Yeah, I would totally throw flames for seventeen. Oh, a flamethrower would do it. Like it would be fun, but I would not do backbreaking. The shoveling snow like the widow maker can you imagine terrorizing the upper west side with a flamethrower <laughs> i mean honestly they should like one of those torches that you burn weeds with yeah like i would totally like place myself outside of zabar's and offer to like toast people's <laughs> bagels with my snow melting flamethrower today <laughs> um okay i guess we could segue to the venice biennial announcement for the next edition also in 2022 yeah. it's going to be a busy year um are you going to venice no <laughs> no <same>. no <laughs> i mean i don't like venice sorry i've never been venetians <laughs> sorry venetian blinds yeah i'd happily go back to um tuscany but yeah. i go on listen Rome. i'd go anywhere once yeah. but venice i venice i guess i'd go off season venice to me is just like trap like a tourist trap in the worst way of like people just trying to scam you left and right charge you for just sitting in a restaurant right all this stuff yeah it's dank everything's just like moldy Ooh, that's not good it's not mold everywhere how do they not like die of black mold related lung diseases um so the venice biennial the world's biggest art exhibition has named the whopping 213 artists from 58 countries that will participate in its 2022 edition 
which is due to run from April 23rd to November 27th in Italy. Is that even like a, a, like a sizable source of like tourist attraction for the region? Do people actually like flock there and like inject money into the local economy? I would say it's a drop in the bucket since it's already a tourist, you know, like a major international tourist yeah. hotspot. So I'm sure it does boost tourism, but the amount of people that are interested in it's contemporary ne- negligible. art is, is negligible. Would you say galleries and like country pavilions and stuff like that, that uh, sort of pays into the economy or probably like they have to hire like local technicians and stuff. Right. But a lot of people travel for that though, you right. know, because it's like, are there participation fees for countries and or galleries? I don't know, to be honest. Maybe they do pay some sort of fee to the organization. Right. But I don't know, to be honest. They're selling tickets, so maybe not. Right. But it costs a lot of money to produce the pavilion because you have to ship things there, you know, pay for things to be installed, hire staff. What biennial or survey keeps getting embroiled in, like, mismanagement of funds? Documenta. Documenta and Kassel? Allegations of anti-Semitism, <laughs> like oh just God. a constant shitstorm. I mean, I guess I went to Kassel. I'm trying to see. Look at my library. I have the catalog from, I guess, the 20, 2008, 10 edition or something. Like that. My aunt was in town in Berlin, and we took the train to Kassel. Aww. I enjoyed it. I mean, I guess I was less uh, jaded back then and less cynical of the art world, and so I was able to enjoy it and explain the like the intricacies of what it means to not quite like sort of truly fathom or understand or grasp a work of art to my aunt who was mm-hmm. even less interested in it than i was <laughs> but i don't know i guess we had a nice time anyways um so these artists will participate in the main exhibition of the biennial which this year is curated by cecilia alemani director and chief curator of highline art in new york so random um yeah her show is titled amazingly the milk of dreams it's named a reference to a series of drawings that were later turned into a children's book by surrealist artist leonora carrington alemani has said the show will focus on three distinct areas of inquiry the representation of oh god bodies and their metamorphoses the relationship between individuals and technologies the connection between bodies and the earth the show will include more than a thousand works. Are you excited, Pshemek, about the representation of bodies and their metamorphoses? Mm, no. <laughs> um, uh, I'm excited. There are a lot of people who have not shown in the Venice Biennale mm-hmm. in this list, uh, including people we know. That's... Here, let me challenge Fun. you. Let me challenge you with a quoted statement by the curator, and I will ask you to <laughs> to dumb it down in simple English for us. Alemani called her biennial a uh, quote unquote a, a transhistoric exhibition, creating a dialogue between the present and past, and creating a dialogue between stories of exclusion. What do you think she meant by it? Well, I think present and past is always the case no matter what you mm-hmm. program i don't know what she means by trans historic what is trans historic i don't know what that term means why are they these people just unable to use simple english to describe exactly. things 
Well, it's that whole international art English um, bubble. But listen, we're in the art world. We're not dumb. Yeah, but I mean, you're smarter look, than me. I'm no excuse I'm me. I'm a himbo airhead. <laughs> no, no, you excelled at Jeopardy yesterday. Um, trans historicity is the quality of holding throughout human history not merely within the frame of reference of a particular form of society at a particular stage of historical development. What? An entity or concept that has transhistoricity is said to be transhistorical. Jesus, this explained nothing. Again, it's this is my issue with contemporary art. It's just like alienating to the average person. No, even to the non-average person. Yeah. No, uh, but I mean like as a, you know, a public as a whole. Right. Listen, according to Oxford, transhistorical means transcending historical boundaries, eternal. Okay, let's replace the word trans transhistorical with eternal in her statement. Okay. Uh, Alemani called her biennial a, an eternal exhibition, creating a dialogue between the present and past and creating a dialogue between stories of exclusion. So I guess what she's trying to say is this is the... Because it's about uh, decentering men as the center of the universe, mm-hmm. so now it's suddenly transhistorical. And what was the last part? I'm just like I can't wrap my head around this. creating a dialogue between stories of exclusion. I guess like okay. giving platform to yeah. lesser heard to voices people who have yeah. been excluded normally. She goes on to uh, say the exhibition is rooted in post-human thought. No idea what that means. Uh, many contemporary artists are imagining a post-human condition challenging the presumed Western condition using the white man as a measure of all things. They propose a difference alliances, fantastic bodies. This is why the exhibition includes a large amount of female and gender non-conforming artists. Is there like a, just a non-convoluted way to say that you wanted to just give platform to more like female and non-conforming gender non-conforming voices why do you have to like pretzel this i know there's a way to say it that people can actually understand you know like for for all of art history men have been the center of the conversation yeah in this biennial yeah uh you know it is time to forward new voices and positions blah 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 i mean i'm sorry that i'm like man paraphrasing her (laughs) but also uh, she says, blah, 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 where is it? Many contemporary artists are imagining a post-human condition. What does that even mean? I mean, when is an art? Like, I mean, sure, art is always utopian in a sense because it exists outside the perimeters yeah. of lived reality, even though you inject your own sort of lived experience yeah. into the creation, but it sort of exists in a in an imagined sort of either um it's like in a fantasy space essentially yeah just like fucking say that you want to make this a, a, a all female or gender non-conforming survey and to that i will say what a fucking lazy idea <laughs> and i'm only like i'm only repeating a statement that has been uh, uttered by many girlfriends of mine in the past in the arts, like who've also been invited to, uh, you know, be included in all female surveys or all female exhibitions, what exactly could be gleaned? Do you think by, <laughs> yeah. by sort of a motley crew assemblage of people who share a trait? Yeah, 
Like, why were you not interested in working with me when it wasn't the all women show? It just like, sorry, my, my, my experience is very narrow and limited, but can you imagine like as a single gay man, just randomly being put into a room with another gay person be like, here, talk amongst yourselves. Like when Anthony and Stanford yeah. match made. <laughs> when Anthony was shocked to see that uh, Stanford does not in fact look like a young Ed Harris. <laughs> um, so who are some, who are some names we want to shout out in the uh, list of artists? Mm. Sorry, I have too many tabs open. I on, I honestly recognize very few names. Well, your former list. studio neighbors here, Hannah. Oh, Hannah. See, hey. this list is so long that you can't even find yeah. people here. It's like right. It's like I need to start using Microsoft Access to access this data. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of non-Western names on this list: Nan Golden, some Polacks up up in here. How did Robert Gross? Uh, Grosvenor. How do you fucking pronounce his last name? Grosvenor? Wait. But it's with an S. Wait. Grosvenor? Grosvenor. Yeah, the S is silent? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, based on a street in Winnipeg called Grosvenor Street. Okay. (laughs) Barbara Kruger, a very important inclusion of a uh, underexposed, unheard voice. Um, Simone Lee. I mean, Hannah Levy is truly amazing. I love your work, Hannah. But wait, was Robert Grosvenor gender non-conforming? <sighs> this these fucking like big announcements just like create the urge in me to nitpick at the at these lists. I just googled Robert Grosvenor gender. Nothing came up. So <laughs> yeah, basically. Um. I don't know, man. I mean, also this, it's such a, like, this is such a huge show that it's really hard to just like, you know, find one issue with it or praise it categorically for whatever. But I see Sable, uh, Elise, Elise Smith is both participating in the Whitney Biennial and the, uh, um, and the Venice Biennial. Um, can I just say on a personal note, there is something to be said for like feeling so excluded from the current art moment so much so that it makes you feel like you live in like a parallel reality to what like what is portrayed to you as like uh, losing my train of thought here. Um, yeah, I feel almost schizophrenic because my lived experience is so drastically different than the way these biennials sort of try to paint the world, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, I just feel bad for my uh, artist friends who are successful women um, in the institutional and commercial realm who are not on the list. Yeah. It's like 213 people. Right. Which is so overwhelming, like, even as a viewer. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, again, uh, shining a light on, like, the, the gay or the queer experience, like, I know that there's some strength and empowerment to be found in, like, an all queer um, artist list for a show. But, like, what is what is the common denominator in an all-female show that doesn't, like, reduce it to a really low level of 
shared experience. I would just like to point out that I'm disincluded from every single queer slash gay related yeah. program because I don't make that work, quote unquote. Um, I think that's problematic. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know. I think we're just going to, we're going to be that wedge in the consciousness of the art world and just keep reminding it that for all of these success stories and yes, queen moments, there's just a whole lot of us out there who are busting their asses endlessly whose careers have either barely taken off or who are barely getting like uh proper sort of shout outs or exhibitions or whatever and it really has nothing to do with like the significance of validity or the importance of your work um and so let's just all take a really big bite of humble pie here um yeah so some of you dealers on instagram stories need to cool your jets (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's basically what yeah i'm getting at um (laughs) Yes, I guess that sums it up. I wish all the best to the yeah. per, the lucky winners. I mean, this is basically a world of winners and losers at the end of the day, yeah. okay? I mean, the art world has created a new sort of balance where it is a zero-sum game, yeah. where there's just a rotating yeah. sort of landscape of winners and losers constantly. It's like a Mario level where you're, like, climbing platforms, yeah. and then you, you know, get knocked down by a flying Koopa, yeah. and then... You know, you try to climb up again and yeah, you don't get the P-wing. Yeah. So. I just hope it's clear to artists such as like Kahinda Wiley and uh, Julie Maritou that they're, you know, editions of a black Amex, like artist edition is not particularly the way to sort of vanguard <laughs> the change in the art world. Um, whatever. Alrighty. Any other issues we want to broach? Mm, well, I guess I'll never be on the High Line now. Um, never say never. Your work actually, I could totally see on the High Line. I think it would be great, but never approached. So. Yeah. I love the High Line. We should go there this week. Yeah. Um, here's some art world gossip. Oh, my God. From this week's wet paint, uh, which we only have access to because of a very a very generous benefactor. Yeah, thanks, Daddy. <laughs> Uh, we have a sugar daddy now. Yeah, <laughs> we have a. Si- Whoops! Oh my God. We have a uh, not sugar because we're sugar. Uh, we're sugar free. Phobic. But, uh, sugar phobic. <laughs> what are some sugar substitutes? Splenda. Splenda. Yeah. No. What oh. is the? Uh, God. Not agave, but there's another sativa. No sativas. <laughs> <laughs> Sucralose. Sucralose. Oh my God. Can we just get a uh, sponsored by Weight Watchers? I want Weight Watchers or actually they're not system. They're not called Weight Watchers they're anymore. Just, right? I think WW. Right, just Watchers. I'm watching you. Can we get sponsored by this? What is what is it called? That Khloe Kardashian migraine medication? Oh my god! <laughs> I I think just. She's the she's the just a great example of how America creates the problem, manufactures the solution, <laughs> and sells it to you. She just looking at her will give you a migraine. Yeah, 
Um, actually, there's there's another sort of tidbit that might be a point of contrition. Um, you've heard of the Castelli model. You know about gallery shares. Now get ready for the most exploitative possible gallery model of all time. Twitter went alight this week when critic Patty Johnson posted about a space in Chelsea called Agora Gallery. What a shady way to describe uh, like a functioning <laughs> gallery. Um, quote unquote. So apparently Agora Gallery is charging artists between three thousand to seventeen hundred seventeen thousand a year for quote unquote representation. I joined the chorus of people who saw this and immediately thought, who has the audacity? Artist Maya uh, Sierrochi shared with wet paint an email sent to her from the gallery. It reads, My name is L. I'm a gallery representative working with Agora Gallery, which is located in Chelsea, the art district in New York City. I came across your artwork online and I was impressed. As a gallery representative, my job is to discover talented artists who might benefit from representation and promotion services that we offer. Sierrochi was, of course, taken aback when she looked into it further and found the gallery's fee structure for representation. There are four levels to choose from. Uh, digital, $35.50 a year. Uh, basic, $54.50, which bumps you up to, quote-unquote, 10 linear feet of space in the gallery. Standard, $22.50. Uh, sorry, $92.50, which doubles your linear feet of space. And premium, $17,850, which offers 40 feet of space, 500 invites to your opening, and a full-page profile in, in an art publication. Uh, Are they paying for postage? <laughs> <laughs> thoughts, Pshamek? Um. Okay, there's a lot of shitty, shifty galleries. I get emails from them too because mm-hmm. they're okay. All commercial galleries are commercial enterprises, obviously. Some just have different business models, so some do not try to play into the kind of like legitimate contemporary art world, quote unquote. Um, they're not trying to get their 50% just by making art sales and trying to have like an air of legitimacy. Uh, this is a different model. This is um, basically renting a gallery to have your own show. Yeah. I mean, they seem to have the setup and like, I'm just, I guess there's a fine line that, um, that sort of, differentiates it from i guess i don't know i mean what how would you even describe the difference between this model and yeah a gallery that i guess finds a way to charge differently like in the way they're going to get money out of you anyway i guess the difference is you're paying up front and it is probably getting people's hopes up right so maybe they should be well, everything is, uh, you know, caveat emptor, buyer beware. Like, right. if you were an artist approaching the situation, maybe you could say, well, you know, it's a lot of money. Can you guarantee sales? Which right. they can't. Yeah. Uh, can you show me records of your previous shows? Like, yeah. how much have you sold from those shows? Because right. they're taking 30% instead of 50% right. from those sales. So That seems pretty fair. Yeah, so that's kind of more fair than the 50-50 yeah. model. But, yeah, maybe if they were transparent and said, yeah, well, you know, our last show we sold one thing. The last 10 shows we sold zero. Like, right. Then that artist that's potentially going into the relationship can yeah. use that information. I guess their biggest th- sin is that they're being transparent about it. And one of the things that sort of perpetually keeps the art world 
mysterious is it's like uh the lack of opacity and the fact that it's just so murky in its practices and there's like a sexy allure that goes along with the like um you know making like big promises you don't know if they'll sort of shake out or whatever and this gallery just seems like it's trying to be more transparent about its methods and thus making it less sexy in my opinion but maybe even dare I say more equitable in its approach, whatever. Well, I think, yeah, it's like people who would pay all this money to have a show are either like really rich hobby artists or people who are so desperate that they're like, and don't really know much and think, Oh my God, this is my show in New York. This right. Change my life and my career. I'm going to take a bank loan out. Yeah. To fund this, you know, I think that, I mean, let's just be honest about it. Most of art nowadays just looks like uh, a spread out of fucking Juxtapose magazine. So <laughs> I don't care if it's showing a like Pace or Agora gallery yeah. and how the like financial setup uh, works. Yeah. I mean, art is at a very low point at this yeah. moment. It's basically like a Keisha song. <laughs> a Keisha. A Keisha song. Did I mispronounce her name? <laughs> Um, also the, well, you know, the kind of traditional model with galleries. I mean, when a dealer is interested in working with someone, they'll kiss their ass. They're not going to tell them, you know, like love your work, going to show it, but I don't think I'm going to sell anything. Mm -hmm. They're trying to create that same illusion as anyone else, which is like, okay, I'm going to try my hardest. I can't guarantee anything. But they're never going to tell you, like, my last five shows didn't sell. Right. So. Is there any other field in this fucking life where there's no guarantee that you'll be able to make a living after putting in such an insane investment of time and uh, and money? And yeah. money. Um, what a crazy profession. I know. Um, Just trying to win Powerball this week. Yep. Um, I'm putting it on the record here. If I win Powerball, I'm buying you guys an apartment. <laughs> no, you don't. Yes. <laughs> How much is it even after taxes? Um, Where are you even eligible to play in this yeah, country? Yeah. And if you're if you're a foreigner in America and you win, you don't have to pay taxes. What? Yes. But there's no like tax treaties between the European Union and the States? There are, but um, it's just not taxed because you're no foreign. No way. Yes. Wait, so if I as an Israeli citizen... No, because you are a citizen here and live here. I see. Yeah. But like, wait, how much is how much is the big uh, sweepstakes? It's like one hundred and eight million dollars right now. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Can we just like don't buy us an apartment? Let's just live together. Buying you? No, no, hold on. Buy you a duplex. (laughs) (laughs) You get a duplex. You get a duplex. Let's just all like just buy us a duplex on Millionaires Row on fifty six, fifty fourth Street. Billionaires Row. (laughs) Um. Or let's just buy Lady Gaga's old apartment on Central Park South. Oh, yes. <laughs> let's be neighbors. Let's take over her father's restaurant. Oh my God. Let's buy him out and boot his ass out. And while we're at it, let's buy Piano's Bar <laughs> on the Lower East Side. Uh, what other places would you like to take over if you're rich? <laughs> um, maybe select annoying commercial galleries. Yeah. Yeah. Hostile takeover bids. Yeah. I mean, if I had power, I would just completely raise the whole, like, the whole, like, Williamsburg Bridge sort of landing area on Essex. I would totally redo that. 
Oh my god, what a dump. Um, the only way is Essex. <laughs> the only way is Essex. Um, okay, and in, in other like not so cute artnet news stories, um, and I'm quoting. I really love this new wet paint. You just mentioned you like it because it seems a little humbler and less yeah, less about this writer. Yeah. Than uh, that last one who didn't give me my wet paint hat I won. God. Uh you should write you should write that on your uh on your tombstone. <laughs> Where's my wet paint hat? <laughs> um okay, so the longer I report this column, the more I come to realize that it really all does go down to Graham. Each week the app brings new beef to the table. This time around, the drama came from Philadelphia-based artist Jonathan Linden Chase, who came in hot on Instagram with a caption reading, Dickhead, this is not an apology. Yikes, a public call-out. Personally, I love to see it. The insult was directed at Mohamed Laouli, an artist Chase had accused of copying his work. Let's back up. This week, Chelsea Gallery Yossi Milo, Milo, I mean, you're Israeli. What is that? This is like the lead the the levi's like trying to escape their levy last name and uh it's what you mean yossi milo yeah what's what's he trying to say i guess it's milo oh but it's yossi milo you're like you're from the hood in israel (laughs) i know you brother okay like this is no longer the 50s for jews in the states you can totally own up to your like ethel rosenzweig last name (laughs) (laughs) um that's rachel (laughs) zoe is it is she jewish yeah she's jewish yeah huh no Um, i think her last name actually is rosenzweig really (laughs) yeah wait i'm checking i mean historically speaking we were talking about it the other day like during emancipation in europe yeah jews who fucking moved out of the shtetls and settled in like the big hubs had to change their names and what did they do they gave themselves the best most like florid last names like rosen um rosenthal which means a uh a valley of roses which absolutely does not describe you as a individual and a jew well also jews did not have last names up until they were forced to take on last names and that's why they chose those names seriously Uh uh-huh interesting in in europe huh um yeah it's like anyway, a recent phenomena and that's why they chose these right um elaborate names it's really funny because like all the jewish names were uh we know of these days are such like they're almost like uh huge like compliments to their personality <laughs> that they basically concocted and made up for themselves um anyway this week chelsea gallery yossi milo took to instagram to announce its exclusive representation of lauli which it was kicking off with an online viewing room dedicated to his work, quote-unquote, uh, inspired by the writings of uh, underca- and lower caps bell hooks, Sylvia Federici and Leanne oh God, Beresmo Sake Simpson. The gallery wrote, he uses paint collage and a tender treatment of the human figure to deconstruct dominant notions of masculinity and reclaim the appropriated aesthetics of the European art historical canon. How the hell in, like, February 2022 is anyone still capable of writing such an artist statement with a straight face? I know. But Chase saw something else, a direct copy of his own style, which the artist illustrated it, sorry, in an Instagram post calling the imitation, quote-unquote, disrespectful. Chase tagged Lauli and Yossi, Yossi Milo and added, what's good? 
Chase, who is representing okay, Miley. Yeah. Chase, who is represented by Company Gallery in New York, is known for making mixed media collage style paintings that depict queer intimacy between black people. In my addition, therefore making it hermetically protected from any criticism of the actual quality of the work. Uh, the artworks are pretty instantly recognizable as bodies twist, turn, and combine over colorful abstract backdrops. Recognizable enough, it seems, that Lauli felt the need to publicly reply. Dear Jonathan, this is this has some grammatical errors in it, but whatever. Dear Jonathan Lyndon Chase, Lauli's wrote on Instagram in response, although I remember having seen some of your works a couple of years ago, I really cannot remember that I used them consciously as a reference for my paintings. I know that this sounds weird, and I understand that you feel offended. Lauli then suggested that the two of his the two of his paintings with particular likeness to Chase's work be removed from his upcoming show. But Yossi Milo took it even further, dropping Lauli from its roster and cutting ties with him entirely, all before even hosting a show with him. The gallery left a note on Chase's original post. Get ready for this. I'm a big fan of yours, and I respect the integrity of your work completely. Again, I apologize sincerely for this ugly situation. Jesus, holy moly Christ. (laughs) I, like, like this, this is making me recoil. The whole sort of chain of events. This is really gnarly. I will just say team no one for the reason of... The copying is egregious because they're basically one to one. But I mean, that happens so much in contemporary art and visual art and this constant like meta reference. It's not even meta. Like, and and yeah. in Jonathan Linder Chase's original Instagram posts, he captions it by saying imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah. But N- fuck that basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then I feel like the reaction is just like, whatever it's like that this is punching down this person who copied you is a nobody showing with like a gallery that's not good it's not like they're suddenly showing with like hauser and worth and it's not like uh nike or adidas stole your work and is making millions of dollars off it so it's just like i mean i'll take this one one step further i think this is this is like material and financial bullying because, first of all, I think Lauli's greatest sin was that he chose Lyndon Chase to copy. I am personally not a fan of his work. I don't know him personally, but I think the work is... <sighs> what is a way to describe a work you don't like in a field that's subjective <laughs> and democratic in views? I think the work is straight up ugly. I mean, but that's the, you know... Taste. But beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming there's a level of intentionality in making them very sloppy and abstract and transhistorical um, and post-human, perhaps. I don't know. But I think the way this, like, if I'm looking at the bottom line, I'm seeing an artist who was dropped from being represented by, like, not a, not a bad gallery in Chelsea. Yeah. Like, you'll see Milo has, like, has been a springboard for some other artists like uh, uh, Doron Langberg yeah. and others. I don't know for sure. It's just, I'm saying it's not like, like Jonathan shows with like a gallery showing kind of more prominent yeah. people. Right I mean, now. where's, I guess my question is, where's the fucking generosity? 
I mean, from like coming from like Jonathan, Lynn, and Chase, where is your generosity? This is extremely. This is just like bullying with with consequences. Yeah, someone's like potential like uh, ability to make a livelihood for themselves have just been put into jeopardy because, like, but also looking at at this Muhammad Lowley's work, like there's, uh, there are other paintings and it's not that, Oh, all the paintings look like Jonathan Lynn and chase. Like, no, this is just, painting. this is just petty and mean spirited. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, what else was I going to say? And also I just find this whole like social media universe that this sort of transpired in is so obnoxious because Jonathan Lynn and chase has like what? 70,000 followers. Has had works at auction go for over a hundred thousand dollars, which yeah. drives up the primary market price. Like this isn't, you know, an artist that's not being like co- properly compensated for what they do, and, yeah, or not getting a claim. And like I said, I just feel like this is punching down. Like I think there's other ways to resolve. Yeah, this. and and evidenced is the fact that all the first comments on the original post where uh, Jonathan and Chase uh, decries this uh, act of plagiarism, as he calls it, it's just like blue checks one after yeah, another, yeah, exactly. like, uh, yes, yes, queening him for like his uh, self, you know, self-perceived victimization and like harm that was done to him. Just like, I don't know, do you not see that yeah. you're in a position of like material power over somebody yeah. else and you've somewhat abused it yeah. at this point? This just, this feels wrong. I'm sorry. Um, I think people need to get offline a little bit more. Also, you fucking show with Company Gallery. That is no like harbinger of um, benevolence <laughs> and like ethical dealings so like just do some like home inspection before you uh try to burn down anybody else's house i don't know this annoys me this just annoys yeah. it seems like really n- not generous behavior yeah i mean you show with sadie coles you have work up at lacma you clearly sell at auction for like six figures you have major representations so you're like yeah. taking this dog behind the barn and also like what's worse is that it like i mean i don't i, I mean i can't really accuse yossi milo of anything but this like this gesticulation and like groveling yeah well yeah it's saving face because of the embarrassment yeah just this like the this pain to the gods of like let's not insult the like the market darling that's in the like marginalized victimized rubric at the moment lest nobody else would want to work with you um god um i don't know god this really put me in a bad mood now (laughs) anything else you want to talk about maybe we can end this episode on a more cheerful note Mm, i'm already just thinking about lunch <laughs> yeah i guess uh what are we having for lunch i had those like smoked kippers after the gym mm. they were so yummy i'm so hungry i hope my breath doesn't uh doesn't smell of fish like kasha who's by the way is turning 11 tomorrow february 4th stolat kasha <laughs> um 
Yeah, I guess maybe we can have lunch at uh, Liebman's in Riverdale. Yes. Can't wait. Uh, the other promised land. <laughs> maybe we can get you a I Live in Dub Bronx shirt oh that they God. sell yep, there. Um, can we go to Times Square so I can go to Shady Currency Exchange? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, we should also maybe go to Little Italy in the Bronx. Yes. Did I just say Dub Bronx? Yeah, Dub Bronx. <laughs> um yeah let's go on a culinary tour on this very wet day and let's go by j-lo's house she grew up in uh where that old man will be hanging out the window uh, <laughs> and tell him hey we used to live here yeah. who are you who's you <laughs> um and yes i'll just say it again i'm not going to see the rom-com with you yeah if anyone wants to go on a date with me um on february 14th otherwise known as saint valentine's day Oh, you'll be in town. I'll True. be in town. Um, maybe, well, maybe I'll go with my Hudson Yards hottie. We'll see. But you know that St. Valentine's was an anti-Semite. Sorry. Um, but I just want to see the JLo movie. Marry me. <laughs> um, even I have my uh, limits. Sorry. All right. Well, this was wonderful. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Let's do another one of these in person. Well, let's do it. We'll do okay. we'll do more. We can, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna go see some shows and report back to you guys. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so that's it for now. Choose. Choose.